Hi everybody, welcome back to The Risen. It's another Wednesday. Uh, we've been missing a couple days here recently, but we are back and, and here to stay. So we're going to go ahead and jump back into James as we've been studying together. And we're going to be starting in chapter 4. We are almost to the end of James. So we're going to do the first half of chapter 4 today. I'm going to uh, read verses 1 through 12, I believe. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one you speak against a, the one who speaks against the brother and judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? All right, so um, this, you know, this section is titled Warning Against Worldliness. I think that really does sum up our world. This Our world is kind of just this place where everyone just wants to argue and fight. You know, it says, here it says quarrel, but that's the same thing like arguing. Um, and that's really all our world wants to do nowadays is just argue and fight. And that's really all we see in the media um, and just kind of even in day-to-day -day interactions with everyone. They just, everyone wants to argue. Um, but, you know, as much as we say that that's our world now, that's how, I mean, obviously James is talking about it. This is the world that James lived in all these years ago. Um, James wrote this soon after the death of, of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and so, well, I, I say soon after it, but anyway, uh, you know, it's a long time ago that James wrote this. And, and so obviously he's still even dealing with these uh, problems, even within the church. Um, which is something we see now often. Um, also, right there at the end of verse 1, uh, your passions are at war within you. Um, when I read that scripture, um, I don't know if this is exactly what James is getting at, but just what I kind of see there is kind of this idea of uh, your passions for God versus your passions for sin. So your passions for God obviously is humbleness, it's brothership, it is... Uh, communion of the church it is family your passions of, of sin is arguing and, and wanting to be the one who's right um, and wanting to put yourself above others in pride and so I kind of see you know he's talking about the reason that these fights and these arguments are having happening upon you is because your passions are at war within you so your passion for God is at war against the flesh yeah and you're choosing the wrong yeah when you're choosing doing the the worldly passions mm -hmm. over God which is a common theme yeah in the Bible um, read the Old Testament. That's Israel. That's literally Israel's like, like mantra is choosing worldliness over God. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's whole like first and second Kings, first and second Samuel, uh, judges, all of that is about Israel just all the time. God's like, you don't need a king. And he's like, we want a king. And then they make a king and things go bad. So it's all over in the Bible. We see that. And, you know, moving to, to verse two, it talks about your desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So again, that's giving in to the, the, the flesh. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want something, but you don't have it, so you murder the person for it. Now, we don't always go to that extreme nowadays. I hope most of us don't even pertain the idea of killing someone just because we want, you know, their Lego box or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we still, you know, jealousy... I think something I, I kind of see here is like sin is sin, and in God's eyes, all sin are equal. Mm-hmm. So if you if you were covet over what someone has, you might as well have murdered them. In God's eyes, that those sins are equal to each other. There is no difference. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's like you're like, oh shoot, it kind of makes you think like, <laughs> oh, I'm in a really bad sp- spot because yeah. then you realize how much you've done like these quote unquote little sins, and then you realize that God sees those as just as bad as murder or yeah. like rape, and you're like, oh, it, but it should put some weight on you. It should kind of scare you because it, it, it should open your eyes to the fact that that's why Christians are called to just not sin. Mm-hmm. We're not just called to the quote-unquote, you know, it doesn't say just don't do the big sins. It says don't sin at all because all sins are big sins. There are no little sins. Yeah, because if it was just don't do the big sins, well, who decides it, what the big sins are? Yeah, and we'll actually touch on that later in, in this yeah. chapter, so that's going to put a pin <laughs> in it. Uh yeah, so it's super important for us to, you know, choose God. You know, God is a, excuse me, God is a jealous God. Mm. And, you know, he wants you. He desires to have you. He wants you to himself. He doesn't want yeah. to share you uh, with anyone else. On the flip side, Satan also wants you to himself. Mm. Satan's a jealous Satan. Yeah. We never say that, but yeah, it's he true. Is. And he wants you to, to himself just as much as I mean, God, maybe. Yeah, I yeah, I it's it's the only thing he has left. Yeah. The only thing that Satan has left is to take away from the fold of God. Yeah. Um so if it's not equal to God's desire, it is second best. Yeah. Um for sure. Which is really scary because as much as like um, you know God's desire is infinite, so Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's the second best, it's still a really big number. Yeah. Uh as much as you know, God wants us to himself and as much as he does to show us that Sometimes it seems like Satan just does two times more to mm-hmm. show us that he wants him, he wants yeah. us to himself, because it's. I mean, just looking around in the world today, yeah. like you don't see you don't see God out there. I think it also comes down to uh, God wants you to seek Him. Satan seeks you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's so easy to go with Satan yeah, because, because he's we're seeking lazy. you. Yeah, and we don't we don't want to have to put out the work and and be bothered per yeah. se by going out and seeking God when oh I can just sit where I am mm-hmm. be comfortable and um, you know it'll come to me yeah when that's Satan that's not and, God and, and sins feel good in the moment they mm-hmm. and <clears throat> they seem rewarding in the moment um, but uh, you know call, call it Christianity is to put that aside mm-hmm. and that's hard and again that kind of comes back to that Satan seeks you God wants you to seek him yes will God come to you and and, and obviously he sends Christ to die for you. He sends the spirit to you. So absolutely God seeks you. Um, but it sometimes it does seem more like Satan seeks you more. Yeah. Um, and he's the prince of power of the air. Mm-hmm. You know, he... It, so, yeah, he has a lot of power. And, and he does use that power a lot. Um, 
So I'm going to move into verse 3. Uh, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So I underlined that verse and I just wrote there, the state of heart matters in prayer. God knows your intentions. God knows your motivations. So if you're praying for a good thing, but only so that you can benefit, mm-hmm. God's not going to bless you in that. Mm-hmm. People who in the church who receive a lot of money, I think we've talked about this before. I've talked about this in a different time. But I know we've talked about it on the podcast at some point. God gives to givers because God knows that givers will give it to the church. It's mm-hmm. a really weird sentence to say. But <laughs> uh, that's so if they pray for provision, God will give it to them because he knows their intentions and motives is to bless others. But if those same people pray for provision because they just want to be rich, God's not going to give that to them. Right. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. When we pray for things that we want just to for our own passions, for our own motivation, just to benefit ourselves, God's not going to give that to us because that's not God. That's not the character of God. Right. Um, and it wouldn't be doing us any good if he, could, mm-hmm. if he gave us everything we wanted just because we wanted it. No. We think it would. Yeah, but it wouldn't. It would. No. It would. It's like, it's like cheating on a test. It you doesn't actually, do you any yeah. good. Or, or cheating on homework. We'll yeah, s- we'll say homework because. Because then you fail the test because you cheated on the homework. Exactly, but uh, yeah, I could go and look up every single problem in my college yeah. class. But I don't learn anything. Well, even now, honestly, especially uh, now that we're in college, even cheating on the test, you could cheat on every assignment in college and get straight A's. But when you go into the career field that you were going to college for. You're done for, uh, you know, and and I, I, I was going to say, especially with nursing, but honestly, you see it in ministry too. Yeah. You see people who are underprepared, who don't go through their education, and they last maybe a year to church, and then that church, church is shutting down. Well, see, and that in turn hurts other people. Yeah. So, like, say for me, for nursing, if I were to just totally skip all of my <laughs> learning, yeah. learning everything, and just gain that knowledge, and then I just go be a nurse, like, I could seriously hurt someone if yeah. I kill them. Or, yeah. That could happen. And, like, for you, being a minister... You're killing them eternally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm dealing with their physical bodies here and now, but you'll be dealing with their... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't just hurt you. It also can, in turn, hurt other yeah. people. Yeah. And that's why, again, like, state of heart really matters. And that's why God doesn't just give us what we want if we don't have the right state of heart. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you get people, what about rich people who aren't saved? Why do they have riches? That's a really great argument, and you know what? You've got me there, but my response to that is God has a plan for that that I don't understand, and that's okay because God is greater than I. Mm -hmm. And so I may not be able to answer your question about why maybe some non-Christian people are rich, but you know what? God has a reason for that. And if it's because those people donate to charities when maybe Christians wouldn't, because to be honest with you, I see a lot of non-Christian people donating a whole lot more than I see saved people. To charity, so yeah. If it's something like that, if it's something like God is providing for, you know, impoverished children in Africa through the un to the unsaved, um, because the Christians just won't. Maybe that's the case, but that's another time for another or another sermon for another time. Uh, so moving to verse four, uh, you adulterous people, do you not know what friendship with the world is? Imi- I don't know how to say that word either. Enmity, I in, think. Enmity with God. I, I, I like the word <laughs> enemy more, but therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes itself an enemy of God. Oh, like that word so strong at the beginning there. Adulterers. Like he's, like he's not not necessarily blaming them for the sin of lust, but he's saying you adulter because you desire the world. Mm-hmm. Like God is Christ is is your bride, or or the church is the bride of Christ. I don't remember which. What it, it says. 
that Christ is the bride of the church or that the church is the bride of Christ. I can't remember. But it's this idea of you are married to Christ. Like you are, if you are quote unquote lusting for the world, you're an adulterer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not necessarily directly or maybe directly, but that's kind of the idea that James is getting at here. Like you're adultering against God when you desire the world. Yeah. Uh, just like you would be if you desired someone else uh, other than your spouse or your significant other. Um, verse 5 or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us so that's kind of you're talking about jealous God mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad jealousy and I think sometimes I get tripped on that one someone says God's a jealous God I'm like wait jealousy is a sin but it's not in the way that God is jealous yeah um but that, that goes back to your, he's, he's jealous over our spirits, over our souls, and ultimately that's over our eternity. Yeah. Uh, verse 6, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I think that kind of goes back to the rich young ruler, the idea of, uh, you know, it's either for a camel to pass the, the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, God gives grace to the humble, and, and um, you, I don't know, you just see it. When you meet someone who gives and who is humble and has nothing because he's given everything to someone else, they're happy. They have joy. Yeah. They have peace. That's God's grace. You're like, I want that. <laughs> yeah. You know, how do I get that? Well, it's it's humility. Yeah. It's the willingness to give. Well, and they show it too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you can go up and ask them, mm-hmm. but you know just by looking at their life, you know why. Yeah. I, the rich are depressed and the poor are joyful and it doesn't make any sense, but it's just, it's the, it's the grace of God mm-hmm. in their life. Um and that's big there. Uh, so humility is important, and we're seeing that here in this in this scripture. Uh, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That, for me, almost gives us some power back from this thing. Resist him. That's all you got to do. Just resist him. Now, it's hard. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. But if you will just resist him, he will flee from you. <laughs> I remember uh, when I was younger, sometimes I would get scared mm-hmm. or something, and I do Maybe I'm going to, I don't know, clean out the dog's water bowl or something. It's like dark outside. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I'm just in the house by myself or something like that. And I, I would just feel scared. And so, you know, I would just be like, like acting like it, like whatever was scaring me was just a, of Satan. And, yeah. and just like believing in God to just, you know. And then being like, in the Lord's name. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, cast it about. <laughs> Um, no, I, mean, I, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, we could do that. Mm. We could do that. Yeah. No, I don't think it usually honestly takes the form of going, be gone, Satan. Right. You know, but it, it takes the form of, you know, when Christ combats Satan, he combats Satan with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, yeah, we're not having a direct dialogue with Satan like Christ was, but we can, when we feel the presence of Satan through, t- through temptation, we go to Scripture, that's just as equally powerful as Christ mm-hmm. literally speaking it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because. That's just that. That's what it is. We're going to the Word of God. So, um, yeah, it's not necessarily like holding up a you know crucifix and <laughs> yeah. and uh, sprinkling some holy water on them. But it's it's got just the same cinematic power as when you see someone cast out a demon in yeah. you know some movie as as when you're reading the scripture. Well, and and not also not just uh, you know when feeling tempted through anything, but also like when surrounded by I don't know maybe a group of friends mm-hmm. that start talking about something or maybe you're just going down the wrong path. Yeah. 
that that's it too. Yeah. Um, that's him trying to creep into your life mm-hmm. through your friends and stuff. And and sometimes those friends are Christian friends. Yeah. That happens too. I mean, sometimes you know, Satan likes to use us, even though we're mm-hmm. Christian, to get to other people. Um, but yeah, like you can you can see him through through. Yeah. Almost any and all aspects of your life. Well, and, and one thing I, I I believe is you know Satan's lost a Christian soul, but he hasn't lost a Christian's witness. Um, and if he can if he can make every Christian live horribly, then no one else is going to come to Christ. Uh, so I think that's really important too. Is he may want he, he's tempting you to live wrongly, not because he can win you back, but because by you living in a bad light, you won't win anyone else to heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's important to remember. Uh, moving to verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Uh, what I wrote under the passage there, under the verse there, was two, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Mm-hmm. Again, it kind of comes back to that seeking God. Satan will seek you without you seeking him, but God will only seek you if you seek him. Yeah. Uh, you got to meet in the middle. And it's like how we uh, talk about sometimes in uh, church, and I don't know, we might have talked about it here. Uh it's the fact that, like, when you pray, you need to expect. Yeah. You know, or, like, if you're praying to God to ask you on a test, like, to help you with the test, mm-hmm. well, you better have studied. Yeah. Like, and actually put in yeah, yeah. your effort to meeting him halfway, you know. I mean, he'll carry you through it. Pray to God that you won't get wet from the rain, but still bring your umbrella. Exactly. Um, you have to the, pray with the expectation. That's the means that, in which he keeps you dry. Yeah, ex- yeah. Pray with the expectation that you know he's actually going to do what you're yeah. asking of him. So, so do you have to? Yeah, yeah. And that's I, part of having the right, um, you know, heart and, and mindset when you're mm-hmm. praying about other things, like we talked about before. Absolutely. Uh, verse nine: Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Going into verse ten, there. Um, that message is like kind of dark. It's like you know, be wretched and mourn and weep. Um, like, you know, it's just I, I'm seeing analogies there. I'm not seeing like this is literal. You know, James isn't telling us that we should be sad, crying in the streets because this world is broken or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but yeah, we should mourn in our heart for the lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and in humility, like being humble before the Lord, you know, and exalting Him, or, or it's. It kind of calls you to that life of almost wretchedness because it calls you to leave behind all these things that are desirable, mm-hmm. and that's painful, and that is can be mournful. When you, if you're rich and God calls you to poverty, I can't imagine that you're just gonna be like, "Yep, woo!" Like you're yeah, gonna feel kind of bad about it. Um, but it says here, He will exalt you mm-hmm. if you do that. He will exalt you, and and what greater to be exalted by God? That just the idea of God exalting me. Yeah. I can't imagine anything better than that. That yeah. sounds amazing because he is the most glorious to be exalted by the one who deserves exaltation over all things. Anyway, that's just uh, crazy. Yeah, and like, also, if you think about it, like, we can't imagine seeing a Christian going through this world without, you know, without not, like, with, with not being phased at the fact of how broken this world is. Yeah. But yeah. how many times do we go out, go throughout our day and, we don't take a second look. Absolutely. You know, it's like when we're at Falls Creek and they play a video, you're like, oh my gosh, this world's yeah. so broken and your heart broken. And you're on that high. But then you go to Walmart. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is how the yeah. world is. But you're you're in the brokenness. Yeah. You're in the midst of it. Yeah. Just because you're not across the seas or 
you know, just because you're not working with people who are being sex trafficked, like, this world is just as broken here at the local Walmart as it is anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, and, and we we got to remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so just wrapping up here, we're just going to hit verses 11 through 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy, who are you to judge your neighbors? Just saying, I don't want to be in the situation where I get to heaven and God goes, by the way, you who thought you were playing judge your whole life, no, I'm the judge. Mm-hmm. And I've been judging you for that. Mm-hmm. That terrifies me. And I I'm, I mean, yeah, I judge. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Um, but just that thought of like being for the ultimate judge, he's like, yeah, by the way. You know, I mean, what I wrote here is we are not able, we are not the creator of all things, so we are not the judge of it. Right. Um, we lose sight of that so often. I mean, how could we? Yeah, I mean, how, 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 how should we at least? Well, yeah, and like, we have no idea, like, what all of this earth mm. is, and like, and how, like, things, like, yeah, I don't know, just how things are, but God does. He created all of it, and he knows every single stitch of every Absolutely. single thing. So. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I'm not even in a place if, to judge anyway. If, I, if I've learned anything from going to OBU about God, it's that God is way bigger than I thought he was. Mm-hmm. And I thought God was really big. Yeah. And he's just bigger because I can't understand how big he is. But like, I'm like just going to OBU and going to my courses and every day I'm just like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I had a big image of God. I, pff, <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah. My image of God is nothing because he's so much larger than anything I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And it just blows my mind every day. How limited I thought I put all these limitations on God, mm-hmm. and those aren't there. But I didn't realize I was limiting Him in that way, and uh, like uh, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And yet we still have the audacity to judge. We still have that audacity to try to take His place. Yeah, uh, and that's wild. But we do it all the time. Yeah, and that sound like right now saying that, I'm like, how the heck could I ever? That sounds so absurd. Yeah. But then in the moment, I don't think about that, and I just do it. Right. It's crazy. But again, that comes back to verse one. Your passions are at war within you. Mm-hmm. You know, you God the the passion for God versus the passion for for the flesh. And like you said, we give into the flesh a lot. Yep. So I think that was good. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna pray, and then uh, we'll we'll go. Uh, thank you, God, for this day. Just thank you for this time that you've given us. Uh, just thank you for this word you've given us to study, Lord. Obviously, uh, it has had an impact in me and Caitlin's heart as we just poured it out here. Uh, in front of uh, in front of you and in front of all those who listen to this uh, in front of each other uh, I just thank you for that that you've obviously been u- using the scripture in this moment to work through us and I pray that you do the same for those who listen to this podcast I pray that you just encourage them but also uh, admonish them or, or direct them and guide them in the same way that you have me and Caitlin through these words I just thank you for this opportunity you've given us to to be here to do this, by what qualification do we have? Uh, nothing at all except that we are a son and daughter of, of the Almighty, and, and that is the only qualification we need. But it, I, I just thank you that you've given that opportunity to us. Um, I love you, Lord. I, I'm just so thankful of you, Lord, in Jesus' name.